0: Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. If you got your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 45. I know we all know the, the, the scripture, or at least we've heard it, that my God shall supply all your need. We, we can quote it. But if you ever stop to ask yourself, how, how will he provide? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I'll begin with a famous verse in chapter 45, Genesis, verse 5. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. Because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity, a posterity for you in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 11. Therefore, I, Joseph, will provide for you, lest you and your family and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. So we want to talk about how, then, will God provide for all of us. So there are a number of ways, and I want to take them one by one. Here we go. First way. The first way God provides for you is through the hand of man. The hand of man. And that's exactly what happened in this text. The Bible said Joseph was talking to his brothers who had hurt him, betrayed him, who had thrown him in a pit, who had sold him into slavery, And then he turns around and he says to them, I know you meant it for evil, but I'm not bitter. I'm not offended. I'm not angry. I know you meant it for my harm, but I see now how God used what you put me through for my good and yours. In fact, I wouldn't be where I am today or who I am today unless that had happened. That's good for everybody to remember Romans 8, 28. No matter what you're going through, God says, I will work it for your good and my glory. It wasn't good. I'll work it for your good. Cheer up. Okay. Well, where was Joseph? He said, I wouldn't be where I am. Well, he's the right hand man of Pharaoh. He's a Jewish boy in an Egyptian culture. This shouldn't happen. But he's in Egypt. Pharaoh was the wealthiest guy at the time. He owned the most real estate in the world at the time. He had the mightiest army in the world. He's the most powerful man on the planet. And guess what he did? He turned the keys of his wealth and power over to a Hebrew boy, a minority. Cheer up. Quit sucking your thumb because life wasn't good to you. Or you weren't born in the right class, the right family, the right race at the right time. At least that's what you're thinking. God can reach down in any culture and pick the most unlikely and put you in a place of blessing and favor. And that's exactly what he did. So this Egyptian, this Pharaoh gave the whole kingdom, all of its wealth and power to be controlled by this boy named Joseph. And Joseph then in return says to his own brothers who had done him wrong and sold him out, don't be afraid. I know some of you in here probably wouldn't say that. (laughs) You think on that for a minute. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you now that I'm on this side of the blessing of God. Yeah, I cried, I wept, I went through hell and back. You lied about me to the Father. And I went through 13 years of imprisonment. I went through so many bad things, but I've come out without a bitter spirit. I see what God was working, and God has richly blessed me. And now he says to the same brothers, God blessed me so I could provide for you. The Bible said he told them, go get your families. I'm giving every one of you a ranch. Every one of you are going to get your own acreage, farmland, and everything in Goshen, the richest farmland in the world at the moment, I'm giving it to you. So the first way God provides for us is through the hands of man. That's why Luke 6 says, give, it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to you. And with the same measure you give, it will be given to you. How about Elijah? The Bible says there was a famine, a recession in the land. And God told him, okay, boy, go to a river. And God sent him there where he stayed and then God sent a raven to feed him. Now, I don't know if you know your, 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 what do you call the study of animals, horticulture? But no. I don't know what you know about ravens. They don't deliver food, folks. They eat it. But God changed the nature of those dirty birds. A raven was declared unclean, a dirty bird. And God changed the nature of a dirty bird to bring the prophet meat and bread twice a day, three and a half years. That's something. That'll kind of set your hair on fire. That's for some of you with a small God. And that's for some of you that think God has to use this kind of a person to bless you. For some of you Republicans, God might use a Democrat. Or for you Democrats, God might use a Republican. I mean, God can use what you don't like if he wants to, he can change the nature of that person and give you favor. And God said, when I start to use people in your life, stop being so picky, so fussy and religious about who I use to bless you. He said, I'm going to use men. And a lot of them might be dirty birds to supply your need. But what happens is we get religious and self-righteous and we act like we're too good to associate with people who aren't like us. But you don't know that people are watching you right now that are capable of greatly blessing you. And you have no idea what God is doing. And when you obey him and you have the favor and blessing of God on your life, God says, I'll cause men to bless you. And not all of them will be nice or be Christian. Proverbs 21, verse 1. God can turn the heart of a king any way he wants. So whether you're trying to get zoning, whether you're trying to get a loan, whether you're trying to get some deal moved and people are not nice or cooperative, God says, I can turn the heart any way I want, even for the moment when I favor you. Now, some of the people God's going to use will be dirty birds. They'll probably give it to you with a big cigar, a glass of whiskey, and a cuss word or two. Let me suggest to you this morning, take it. Take it and say, praise God. I remember when Oral Roberts got so much flack, not from the world, but from Christian people, because a man who was a gambler was in Vegas, and he heard that Oral Roberts had a big monetary need for his university. And he wrote him a check for a million dollars, and Oral took it. And the whole body of Christ was attacking him. I mean, they're all saying, can you believe that preacher? Could I pause just for a moment, speak into the camera, and say, if you're in Vegas right now, there is another preacher in San Antonio who will take it. I will, right here. I don't care if it's winning the lotto. Don't forget me. Amen. I just want to say, I don't care how God blesses me. Any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied and I know what I'll do with it. I don't know what they'll do with it, but I know what I'll do with it, right? I'm going to do something good with it. Somebody say amen. Come on. How many of you are willing to let God bless you through the hands of man, even if it's a dirty bird? I want you to claim this promise and say out loud with me, God will provide for me through the hand of man. Okay, good. So in other words, connections are coming 2024. In other words, power relationships. A power relationship is simply somebody who's already achieved what you want to achieve. Maybe they've gone to a higher level than you, but a level you want to achieve. And when God wants to bless you, he'll send a relationship, a connection into your life that will lift you up or meet that need. I've seen this a dozen times or more. Now, they might at the moment have other people trying to kiss up to them to get something. But for some reason, God raises them up in your life. And it's just easy and effortless as a, as a relationship. You don't have to work at it. God's got it. Because he says, I will give you divine connections. In Luke six thirty eight, he says, men will give to you. So what he's saying is, I'll put favor on your life. Do you know that the Bible said in the book of Genesis that when God blessed Jacob, he gave him power with God and favor with men. And do you know what the Bible said in Luke two fifty-two about Jesus? It says, and Jesus grew in favor and wisdom with God and man. Everybody say God and man. That's what you want. Favor with God and favor with man. And that's how God does it. He just puts his favor on you. He just calls you to stand out in somebody's heart, in somebody's mind, maybe only for that moment, but he uses men. But you ought to get to a place at some point where you're not only thinking about who's going to bless you, but I also want to be those hands of blessing. I want to be the one that finds that single mother or that waitress in a restaurant or that person really struggling and going through a tough time. And I want to be so blessed that if God whispered, give them $1,000 or do something unusual for them, I'd do it. I'd bless them, buy them Christmas. I want to be that kind of a person. Yeah, I want to receive from man, but I also want to be the hands of man that help other people as well. I hope you move beyond just getting into giving, right? And helping others with what God's blessed with you. Feed the hungry, clothe the poor, reach out to prisoners and those who can't help themselves. Because God says what you do for others, I'll do for you. Not the person you did it for, I'll do it for you. I'll make it happen for you. And he'll use man to do it. See, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. If that's true, you can't be blessed broke. You can't bless anybody and you can't be blessed. So if it's more blessed to give than receive, I want to be blessed. So I, I want my hands the hands of man to bless those who are broken and hurting and in need. Hey, could I ask you to do something? If you've ever had God put a man or a woman in your life to meet a need, clap your hands. Come on. How many of you have ever had that happen? God used a person to bless you, to enrich you, to help you, to save you. The prophet Elijah was starving. There was a famine in the land. There was nothing to eat, no crops, no crops. And God says, I want you to go to Zarephath. This is in first Kings chapter 17. And God says, Elijah, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. He said, I'm going to provide for you. And he gets there and she's cooking her last meal before she dies. And he says to her, make me a cake first. And that woman quite amazing. No wonder the devil never wants people to hear about what God does when you obey him in your finances and in your generosity. Because if I were the devil, I mean, you know, I wouldn't want you to learn it either. She gave one meal. That's all she had. And God fed her for three and a half years. Get you some of that. The barrel did not run dry and the oil didn't run out. It kept reproducing and multiplying. The same God that takes three loaves and two fish and multiplies it for thousands says, I'll make it exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. That's your God. And the scripture says he will use men to give to you the hand of man. They'll give you jobs. You couldn't get on your own. They'll open doors for you you can't open. They'll connect you to the right person. I remember we had a mother, a single mom with a baby that needed an MRI this was many years ago, and we had a couple of doctors sitting right near this area over here, and I immediately told them about it, which was $3,000, and uh, I, I, I could be corrected. I think it was Dr. Roche or somebody who said, I will make a call and get that woman an MRI with my friend who does that in the medical practice. I'm sure our doctor, Dr. Dr. Ehring and others could do the same thing, but that poor little lady facing $3,000 didn't have even a cent close to it, got the MRI for $300, and somebody paid that the hand of man. It was done. You know, if you were smart, you would stay connected. You'd get in a small group. You'd get in church regular. You'd build friendships because God blesses you through the hand of man. You lone Texans twice a year aren't going to be able to have anybody bless you. You're just going to make it every month. But God wants to bless you through the hands of man. So these people will invest in you. He knows how to cause men to give to you connections, open doors, favor, get you what you need you can't get on your own, the hand of man. The second way God blesses you and provides for you is the hands of God. Now, he uses the hands of men, and then there are supernatural blessings you can't explain. You can't fathom. Let me tell you what I do mean. When Joseph took care of those families in Egypt for years and years and years, they were on the blessing train. They didn't have to worry about anything. Joseph was the source. Technically, Pharaoh was the source. But God used a man to take care of them while they built the civilization of the Hebrew nation in captivity. But the Bible said there arose another Pharaoh after he died that didn't know Joseph nor his God. And everything changed, and suddenly all the resources that had been in their hand and been their hope and they had their faith in was snatched out of their life. And let me encourage somebody this morning, maybe you're watching online, when you lose a contract, a big financial situation might walk out of your life, that's a teaching moment you need to learn that means this point is that God uses man's hand but God's real touch you when you make man your source okay there will be people God will send they will bless you in amazing ways but they are not your source see when when man gives to you be thankful be grateful be humbled by it for the rest of your life But never, never forget that your business is only the system. God is your ultimate source. The brook and the bird was the system, but God was the source. See, and at some point, the bird stopped flying and the brook stopped flowing. And let's say you're in business. You get this big contract. It's blessed you this year, last year, the year before. And then the economy shifts. And suddenly, you lose that major contract. It's so easy to just fall to pieces. What am I going to do? But God wants to teach you something in that moment. He's wanting you to know that the river is not your source. He's wanting you to know the bird and the widow are not your source. He's wanting you to come back to your real source, which is him. Ultimately, it's him. And he feeds you by the hand of God supernaturally. Well, where's that in scripture, Rick? Exodus 16, verse 14. The Bible says that God sent manna from heaven in the wilderness, not H-E-B, God sent it to feed the children of Israel. And it says there were certain families in the wilderness that had one piece of manna. There were others that had three and others that got six because God will prosper you according to the size of your assignment. See, you know why God gave one tent of family one loaf and gave the next tent three loaves and the next tent six loaves because they had more people and God won't give you six loaves if right now your assignment is just one loaf see that God will put in your heart to achieve to rise but I'm thankful he doesn't always give us what we ask for when we ask for it he gives us what we can manage can you manage where you are and until you fulfill that area you're not going anywhere God's not going to promote you. How much can you manage? See, you want God to do this and give you this. Can you manage what he's given you? Are you a good steward? If God would have given me everything I wanted when I wanted it, I wouldn't have been ready for it. No. See, God lets us go through things to prepare us for where we're going and what he can do. Uh, Life with God never starts you at the top. It really doesn't. You know, grave digging and well digging, you can start at the top. Everywhere else, you usually start on the bottom. You know, David, kill a bear and a lion before you get a giant. Manage a few sheep before you get a nation. Handle $100 before you get 1000 But according to the size of your assignment and the season you're in, If you're a giver, if you're a tither, if you honor God, if you serve God, you worship God, God says in every season you're in, I will release the resources to do my will. And he said, I'll do it by the hand of man, and I'll do it supernaturally by the hand of God. I just want to say there are still miracles of provision, folks. God hadn't run out. How many of you are living in homes you never thought you would live in? But you know the truth is the hand of God has provided that beautiful home. Just raise a hand at me out there. Yeah. See, how many of you drove a car in today you never thought you'd ever drive? And some of you are saying to me, well, Rick, I'm not in that season. Well, be thankful for where you are and begin to praise God for what he's already given you. At the moment, he's got more and he'll bless you if you'll obey him and you'll honor him. Let me ask you to do something. Let's put our hands together and thank God for what we do have, for what he has done. Let's just all say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what I do have. Good. Look at your clothes. Look at the blessings. Look at the goodness of God. To God be the glory. Don't ever lose your humility and don't ever lose your gratitude and appreciation and thankfulness. See, he opened doors no man can shut. God has been good to you. You stir that up in your soul right now and thank God. Anybody like your apartment? Well, you'll never get a house till you thank God for your apartment. Anybody like your old Ford Pinto? <laughs> you'll never get a Lexus till you thank God for that Pinto. I don't think they make Pintos anymore. They were made in the 70s, and they were a death trap. They had a gas tank in the rear, and if you hit them in the rear, they'd just blow up like a like an explosion. Killed a lot of people, but... If I had a Pinto, I'd be praying for protection and thanking God I could at least get around until something better was provided. I've driven some pretty crummy cars growing up, but I thank God they got me where I needed to go. I thank God for it. I've seen the hand of man. I've actually had people on occasion come up to me and say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but here you go. And I just smiled and said, thank you, Jesus praise the Lord. See, to you, that's a story. But to me, that's a miracle. Even the building you're sitting in, that nice cushion seat, that's a miracle to me. It's more than just a seat because we didn't have any of it when we started, but it came from the hand of our God. See, it's, it's nothing but the provision from the hand of God. And if he'll do it for us, he'll do it for you. Don't you quit dreaming. Don't you stop believing for better and bigger things. Don't you dare lay down in life and let it kick you, stomp on you. You get up. You stand up on your hind feet and say, my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And if necessary, every one of your children will go to college or community college or trade school if that's what they want. God will somehow provide that either by the hand of man or by the hand of God. See, God will make you the head and not the tail. He'll bless you in the city, bless you in the field. Bless you coming in, bless you going in. Man will try to block you out. But God says, where I bless and my hand blesses, nobody can destroy it. Nobody can stop it. So he'll bless you by the hand of man. There's a wave of the hand of man blessings this 2024 coming for many of you. And when it happens, you better give God thanks. See, he'll bless you with the hand of God supernatural, unexplainable provision that just shouldn't happen. Now, we're all happy when it's the hand of man and when it's the hand of God. But the third way God will bless you is by your own hand, by the work of your own hand. That's called a job. Some of you won't read the book of Job because it's spelled J-O-B. You're scared you'll have to get one. But in Joshua 5, verse 1, it says, when they crossed over Jordan, I mean, all those years, the hand of God gave manna and water for 40 years. The hand of God did it all. But then there comes a new season where God says, look, I didn't design for you to live your whole life by miracles all the time. I don't want you living in an attitude and mentality of 9 Help God, help God, help God. We're going to lose the house. We're going to lose the car. God will give you miracles. Nothing wrong with that. I've had a few of those. I know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with having needs. But there is a greater plan that God has than just struggling and scratching and scraping by, by your own hand. So what do you mean, Rick? The Bible says the manna ceased in the promised land. And now they're going to have to work. Now they're going to have to plant seed and they're going to have to till the land. Now it's a good land now, not like Egypt. And God said in Deuteronomy 11, verse 9 and 10, he says, the land that I'm taking you to is flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you possess now is not like the land of Egypt from which you've come where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a watered garden. So when they were in Egypt, the land's dry, parched, and they had to pipe water from the Nile River for the crops. And the only way they could do that was with foot pumps. And they had to have people out there 12 hours a day, every day of the week. And they worked so hard on a foot pump. And the water would be just enough to keep the crops alive. But God said, I don't want you for the rest of your life to just depend on getting by, by the hand of man and the hand of God supernaturally, but I'll bless the hand of your labor and the land that I'm taking you to, you're gonna move from a foot pump mentality to a land flowing with milk and honey. You're gonna get more for your your labor. Now there's another level that you can go to and I can remember even with Summit when it was the foot pump season. Oh God, what are we gonna do? Oh, God, can we do this? When we bought the land we're on now, I don't, Randy might remember, but it was three or three and a half million dollars. I don't remember. And I, I remember thinking privately, oh, my God, are we going to be able to raise that money and, and pay the land off? And that's even before we even thought about building the building. See, we, well, would we ever be able to receive that much money from that scrimpy little audience? To pray for 68 acres of land. Those were our foot pump years. We struggled with everything, but God had so much waiting on our obedience. If we just keep doing what he told us to do and trust in him, he wanted to see our faith. He wanted to see if we'd stand. He wanted to see if we'd keep sowing, if we'd be faithful. And finally, we got enough money to pay the land off. And God said, I'm taking to you a land that's flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to get you off the foot pump into the flow of provision. But I need you to believe, and I need you to use the work of your own hands, because everybody in this room is gifted at something. God says, I won't do it for you, but I will do it with you. When you read Corinthians, it says we are co-laborers with God. God says, I'll do it with you, but if you ain't going to do anything, I'm not going to do anything. So get up off your your bottom. (laughs) Got to be careful there. Talk too fast. Get up off that bottom. I lived in a military family too long. So I picked up another vocabulary that the Lord is progressively sanctifying. But you got to do something. You got to work with those hands. See, you have to find your gift and figure out where are you gifted. If what you've been doing for five years doesn't produce anything, I suggest you get another gift. Another try something else. Try a lot of things. See find out what you're good at. What's your passion? What's your interest? What would you like to do if you could do it? What are you pretty good at? But if you had more time, you could be even more gifted at it. Everybody in here has some gift like that. Some of you have more than one gift. See, every day I remember we worked and we worked and we prayed and we worked. The team worked, the staff worked, the people worked. And God says, You got a skill, you've got skill sets, and you've got abilities. I will also provide for you, not only by the hand of man, not only by the hand of God, but there are some levels you'll never get to until you start finding out what's your gift. What are you really good at? And then give it all you've got. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, all your heart as unto the Lord. Are you doing it? I was with somebody the other day who has a medical skill, but they love baking and they do wedding cakes and cookies. In fact, if you're eating chocolate chip cookies out there in our cafe, that person baked and made them. I had no idea. I said, "You are kidding me!" That not only the skill level was up to here, and that's producing you know a little side hustle and more income for the family, and it might lead to a full-time provision of the hands. So use what you've got. You may be an interior decorator, and someone will pay you by the hour either to suggest or do decorations in your home. Some of you have gifts to do so many things, and you just let it lay idle, and God wants to provide for you by the work of your hands. Everybody hold up your hands. Hold your hands. Heavenly Father, may the God of heaven bless the work of your hands. May it increase. May it multiply. Whatever your hand touches, may it multiply and multiply and increase and increase to the glory of God in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, shout hallelujah, amen. Salesmen, you shout. Real estate salesmen, you shout. Insurance people, shout. Mechanics, shout. Company worker, single mother, you shout and say, God's going to multiply my work. I'm going to give him the work of my hands, and he's going to multiply it like he did the bread in the Bible for 2024. Give him a shout of faith in a rough economy. (laughs) I love that. God is saying, hey, Summit, I'm still your Jehovah-Jireh. I'm El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. And I got one more way God provides. First, he says, I'll provide for you by the hand of man. God will just put favor over you and blessing over you. By the way, you remember last week I talked about celebrating and thanking God for small favors like me speeding. And remember I said, why don't you just be nice to the officer with a good attitude, confess, tell the truth, and maybe get a warning ticket. So, Mr. Ross, sitting over here, I don't want to point out anybody, this weekend got a nice one, a nice ticket. And he remembered the message on favor. And he says, Yes, officer, yes, I was speeding. I was angry about something that happened. I wasn't paying attention. And the officer said, Well, I'm going to give you a warning. And he had to pay any money. That's favor. And you better say as you drive, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for that favor. You start confessing that favor. You thank God for small acts of favor, right? I just want you to know this really works. And I'm telling you, there are blessing people, a new wave of blessing people coming into your lives this year. the favor of God. Listen to me, it's coming. And some of you, it will be some person who just likes you. And for whatever reason that God knows in them, They help you. They bless you. Blessing people. That comes from the hand of man or the hand of God. Supernatural miracles of provision that cannot be explained. No rational reason for it. A fresh wave in 2024. There will be the hands of your labor that God will prosper. Multiply, increase, produce, and be highly fruitful. God wants you fruitful. He said in John 15, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, I'm getting by. That doesn't sound like John 15. You need to shout back at the enemy. God, I thank you. It's your will that I prosper, that I do well, that I don't struggle and hand pump just to get by, but I bear much fruit. You want to stand before God and says, well, maybe I had a bad background. Maybe I had a broken family. Maybe I wasn't given much opportunity. Maybe I just had this much, but here's what I've done with it. And you've multiplied it. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You want to be able to say the Lord, I took whatever little I had and I made more out of it. And God says, ah, way to go. That's my man. That's my girl. Way to go. So, number four, last one, how God provides. The last way is that God will bless you through the hand of your enemy, your adversary. See, there will come, the bigger your assignment, there will come enemies to steal, kill, and destroy every way they can. But God says in Numbers 14 and in verse 9, he says, Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people of the land. Now, they're about to go into the promised land. And the people of the land were apparently large. And they were all freaked out about these people. And listen to what he says to him. He says, For they are bread for us. Your enemies are bread for you. The breakfast of champions, adversity. God wants you to eat it and grow. God said in Psalms 23, I can't even give you a Big Mac meal instead of a banquet unless you got some enemies. God says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That means the best meals are on the front line. Don't you think God can't use your adversaries? It's not when, you know, when you got everybody loving you and blowing sunshine in your face, but when you're going through your darkest storms, when your heart's broken, you feel like quitting, what's the use in giving up? Listen to this. The level of your attack will tell you two things. Number one, how valuable you are to God in your assignment See, if you're going through a huge attack, you got an assignment, folks. You're a target. If you got a huge assignment, it's going to be matched by huge attack. If the enemy's afraid of you, he is going to use heavy artillery on your life. And you'll wonder, this just doesn't seem possible. Hey, look ahead. There's an assignment for your life. You can't draw back now. Israel drew back because they... Feared war and spent 40 years in the desert going nowhere and they died anyway. No, you go in. Don't turn an 11 day journey into 40 years in a desert. And secondly, the level of your attack will tell you the level of blessing waiting for you on the other side of the attack. See, when the enemy really gets to messing, God's about to get to blessing. See, when all hell goes online against you from every direction, Just on the other side, if you'll hold on through the fire and through the flood, look out. Psalm 66 says something incredible. It says, he has caused men to ride over us and oppress us. But we went through the fire, we went through the flood, and God has brought us out into a wealthy place. I need you to shout if you've made it through a fire or through a flood. You made it through. All hell broke against you. Every voice told you, you can't do it. Every voice told you, give up. Every voice told you, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not big enough. Why, you're crazy. But when you go through the fire and you still believe, and you go through the flood and you still believe, and the enemy still has not completely overtaken and defeated you, there's something about that kind of a person. When they come through it, God says, welcome. Welcome to your wealthy place. And we're not talking just about money. Thank God for money. But I'm talking about coming to a purpose, a place of calling, a place of making a difference, a place of standing, knowing who you are. See, if you're going to be successful, you need to know two things. You need to know who God is, and you need to believe in this God and his word. Whatever he says you have, you have. Whatever he says you can do, you can do. Whatever he says to you about anything the scripture, you can take it to the bank. You hold on to it when all hell is pushing against you and you think you'll lose your mind. When the doctors give a bad report, when finances give a bad report, when a child is giving you a bad report, buckle up, tighten your seatbelt, hold on to the scriptures that give you a promise as the seed of the righteous, what God will do. It ain't over yet. You're just in the middle of a conflict. But I believe God will bring me through, and God will bring you through if you don't quit. Too many people give up too soon, too soon. Don't be a quitter. You need to believe in yourself, especially after you've been through hell and back. You've been through the flood, through the fire. God has not let you go down. You've been beat up. Yeah, you felt like quitting, crawling into some corner and getting in a fetal position, but you kept going. And that's the process. I would urge you, don't take advice from somebody who's never been through the fire or the flood with their life and they haven't had a season where it almost took them out. Those kind of people can help you. Those people can encourage you because they've already been where you're going, but they made it through. The people that do make it through, if you knew really, what they've been through, you'd, you'd say, oh my God, I cannot believe that. Why well, I didn't know that. I thought you had a silver spoon in your mouth. I didn't know you had any problems. That's good. I don't want you to know I got any problems. I'm taking those to God and I'm standing strong. I want to encourage you. I don't want you to walk out of here. Oh my God, we're going to die. You got up on a freezing cold South Texas morning and you came to church. I want you to go home with some sort of excitement in you. Expectation 2024 is not going to be normal. And I conclude with this. I say to you in the name of Jesus, God is going to provide for you by the hand of man this 2024. A new wave of blessing people. The hand of man are going to come into your life. Get ready. But get back in the word. Stay in God's house. Start giving and serving and honoring the Lord with your life. I'm saying it because I've lived it. God will bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think. That's not a gimmick. It's not a game. I don't have time at my age to play games. I'm going to stand before God, and so will you one of these days. And I can look out over the audience and see young couples and young people. If you're under 40 years of age, just slip a hand up and hold it for a minute. Just just slip it up there. See that? Thank you very much. Everything you're experiencing here at Summit this morning, for the most part, it's the people who aren't raising their hands unless they're visitors or they just came. They made the provision you're enjoying today possible. So my question is, what are you going to do? What legacy are you going to leave? You know, you're sitting in seats that others paid for. You're sitting in a building others sacrificed for on property and land others paid for, on technology that other people paid for. Now, my question is, what can you do? What can you do with your life? By the hand of man, by the hand of God, by your hands, or by the adversary? What can you contribute? I still... Want a children's building? We've got the room for it right over here. Facility for children, kids. I want that gym. We already have the plans drawn. Three NBA courts. We have plenty of classes. It's a two-story gym. It'll go right over there. It's about $6 million. Somebody one day can make that possible. Somebody from Las Vegas could send us a check for a $1 million. You don't say, well, I wonder if Brother Rick's going to take that. Yes, yes, and yes. In fact, I'll fly out and get it, okay? Most of you that are young have been blessed by the hands of your parents or somebody in your life that's helped you along the way, but now it's on you. So dream big, and to dream big is not selfish. To be highly effective in doing something with your skill, with your hands, and build something from scratch, and have a dream that you really want to do something with your life its actually selfish to not have that kind of mentality, to live a permanent get-by-foot-pump mentality. With the power of God, the promises of God, it's inexcusable. You do not have to live. You may go through a season like that, but you will not live that way permanently. You can make a profound difference in the kingdom of God. Now, yeah, you might have nothing at the moment. A lot of us didn't. But you start honoring the Lord with your little Do what you can with what you have and God will start blessing you and multiplying you and the work of your hand, the work of God's hand, the works of uh, your own skill or ability and even occasionally through your enemies. And the reason I ask you to raise your hands is because somebody will hear a message like this and say, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to be a partner with God. I'm going to do something beyond myself and help others and see what God will do. I promise you this, God will never be your debtor. You will never give or do anything in which God does not match it and go beyond it. God will be no man's debtor. It will come back pressed down, shaken together, running over. I believe there are dreams in this house. I believe with all of my heart, I'm talking to some world changers. You might be flipping hamburgers right now. You might be on a minimum wage right now. Plenty of us started that way nothing wrong with that. It's not about where you are today. It's where you're going and what God can trust you with. Can he trust you? And the Bible says, if you're faithful with what belongs to somebody else, I'll give you your own. You treat somebody else's like it's yours. If I rent a house and when we came to this city, we had to rent, we couldn't buy at that time. And I treated that house like it's mine, an owner mentality. Just because it's not mine, I didn't let the yard stay a weed patch or broken stuff stay broken. I made it better. I wanted the people that own the house that rented it to me cry when I left. Please don't go. Please don't go. We'll reduce the rent if you'll stay. That's an owner mentality. I want people in this church who are part of Summit and committed to it to have an owner mentality. If there's a need in a department, it's our department. It's my department. I want to do what I can to help it. I want to do what I can to fix it. I'm not here to suck up and take something and take and leave. I want to have an owner mentality because it represents me. Whether I have a little trailer, and I did live in one once, Roach's biggest skateboards, is going to be nice because it's mine. It reflects who I am, not who owned it. So I hope you carry that kind of a mentality. Luke 16 says, he that's faithful with a little will be faithful with much. See, if you can't handle $100 and give give God 10, God says, don't be worried about winning the lotto. It'd probably kill you. If you get up thinking about what you can get by with not doing, but instead get up and say, I'm going to act like this is my business, like I own it, every detail about it, I'm in it. I am committed. Look out. God will paint you like they do in a military with a target, and he'll say, I'm going to watch that person. And if they mean business, I'll raise them up. I'll put a dream in their heart. They'll go, they'll do, they'll make a difference, and they'll be powerful, and they'll live a life that brings glory to me. Don't you dream little, bitty, pitiful dreams anymore. Dream big. Dream big. I want you to begin to pray and say in your own heart, God, I wouldn't put on this earth to just live a get-by-foot-pump mentality the rest of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you come on and give God a big shout right now? Has he been good to you? Has he led you through the fire, through the flood? He is taking you to a wealthy place. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.